Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Coming straight from the Eliza Blue fiasco. <laughs> Back into more controversy because that is what I do. Clifton Duncan, Hawk Jensen. Welcome aboard, gentlemen. What's going on, Clint? You gotta stay away from those uh, those video vixens, man. <laughs> there's there's a reason that they're called vixens, Clifton. They 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 lure you in. Um, yeah, weird weird story. What a I'll, what a bizarre story. Oh uh, yeah yeah. I'll set that aside because I I'm I'm trying desperately not to get sucked into that vortex of like YouTuber drama things. So, uh, welcome, gentlemen. How are you guys? What for for those that aren't familiar with you guys, I'm sure most people are, but uh, let's start with Clifton and we'll go go around the bend. Oh, well, uh, I'm formerly a uh, classically trained uh, professional actor. Um, uh, Broadway, television, off-Broadway. And um, I decided I wasn't going to take a certain medical product. And uh, now I've become far more famous for not being allowed to act than I ever did uh, by being an actor. <laughs> God, that's, that's wild. Uh, Huck, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a... I'm a... LA trained uh, film director and uh, producer and uh, all around filmmaker have been my whole life. And uh, about 10 years ago, I, I decided to start making documentaries and uh, got into the world of looking at collectivist regimes and effectively kind of came out of the closet as an anti-communist uh, artist, you know, who really sees that, that, that there, there's, that's a dead end and uh, started making films about that over a decade ago um, and supporting free speech in every way I could. And, then watch what occurred with the lockdowns and saw it from for what it was from the very beginning as a major realignment not not had nothing to do with health really um and uh just uh dropped everything left california got back to my home state of new hampshire which is a great space to be and now rebuilding a free freedom of speech network of filmmakers um and have been making this product uh, making this film this project this docu-series called follow the science um, and the pilot episode is called Lockdowns Go Viral, and that features Clifton Duncan as our main host, and we're in the process of getting that finished up for an April 19th release, which we're very excited about, and uh, pushing hard to do that, and that's followthescienceseries.com. So we are, we are, awesome. it's been a fascinating journey into what's, what's been going on, as we've all been learning every, every day something comes out that's like, oh, all of our suspicions were correct, or at least very, we're all very much on the pulse of what's been going on, so it's been a wild time. Yeah, it sure has for the entire world. Um, well, Clifton, I I hate to hear you say that you're you're more famous for not acting than you were for it. Come on, man that that voice alone. I think your future. I think the the path ahead is far more bright. Is it is it really that much of a dead end just for having spoke out on behalf of bodily autonomy? Really? Uh, as far as I can see, I mean, uh, there there was wow. just another another ripple um, just the other day, SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, just put out this uh, announcement where they're requiring people to uh, get the needle um, just to visit one of their headquarters, one of their offices uh, anywhere in the country. Um, wow. So it's, you know, they, they the entertainment industry as a whole, the arts community as a whole has really gone full, uh, full in on the COVIDianism. And um, they just, they won't let up. They won't listen to... Um, they haven't listened to Reason for a long time. I mean, I think probably I'm not telling any tales out of school. Uh, you know, they're not maybe the the sharpest uh, people uh, uh, that uh, saturate the industry. But uh, it's been it's been really alarming to just witness how they're supposed to be the most humanitarian of people. You know, the most sort of anti status quo of people, and yet they've turned into the most casually cruel and most sort of um, obeisant people you could imagine. It's been really incredible. Yeah, that well said. And I think what's what's really bizarre about it for me um, as an outsider to that world is like they are so confident that they're superior to, to all of us, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're so certain of their superiority. Like I went to NYU. I'm obviously smarter than these rubes that refuse to put this experimental subject into their body for no well, reason. Well, I, I did go to NYU. NYU oh, right you now. You know, they're they're you know, I had a former colleague shoot me. A, 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 you know, there's a mass email about a show that he's doing, you know, at our alma mater. And um, I was like, stop sending me your freaking emails. I can't even I'm not even allowed into the building. They, they say, uh, you know, you're, oh, wow. you, they, they say that no, they, they're gracious now about it. They say that, uh, you know, proof of vaccination is not required to enter uh, the Tisch building. 
but uh, be prepared to present it if it's if it's asked of you. It's so bizarre. <laughs> That's such a uh, I don't even know like parental way of speaking to somebody. I, I hate it. I hate it. Are we not all adults? What happened, uh, <laughs> Hawk? Is this uh, is there is there an opening for media? Let, let me also say this. I I actually had uh, another sponsorship. You guys won't even believe this story. I thought that I got a my second strike on YouTube because I had um, James Lindsay on my show and he was talking about his theory. Uh, I'm, I'll leave it aside because I don't want to get get this struck if, if that is what got me. But um, based off of what the appeal came back with was that it was my ad read for for um, Q sent me, uh, mm. which is a My Movies Plus documentary series where they're trying to quote unquote, give the true story behind January 6th. I literally read the ad copy and that was the second strike I received on YouTube. This is a level of like, I can't even describe it. I mean, I'm not even, I didn't make a claim. It, they are able to now censor based off of the, where where I am sending people. That That is crazy. It's not even what I'm saying. It's where I'm sending people and what that content consists of. There's like some crawler that goes through and then sees what, I mean, this is. Yeah, any any, any wrong thing will not be tolerated. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. It, it's an incredible time. And then now that they're able to do that digitally and, and, you know, I mean, it's just been bizarre to watch. I mean, I was, I was aware of this issue kind of coming out of our main, you know, in terms of like, LA controlled most of the media in terms of the mainstream of what we watch, what we consume in the entertainment side of things. And, and then New York in terms of uh, <clears throat> news media and whatnot. And it's just been, but getting into it, I mean, I had no inside connection, so I had to kind of make my way in and I was privy, you know, I did pretty well and, and, you know, got top representation, was selling stuff, doing fine. And, but I was very aware that I had to check my brain at the, at the, at the state border of California <laughs> and, and have have to take on an entirely new dialect, if you will, to sort of speak and 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 move through it to not be unpersoned in terms of within the industry. And mm -hmm. I was really very concerned. I was like, "Wow, this is how it is. This is this is such a high influence. It's going to start getting out into the main population." And and I know that listening to you guys is on your own podcast, you know, leading up to this, you know, that whole idea of like how it just seems it's very difficult to get people to actually stand up and realize that they're under. A type of attack it's an information war it's a type of attack and you just can't get people to to respond to it and i started making stuff i mean i was always curious you know there was this whole thing like don't talk about communism in hollywood and i'm just such a contrarian and and i guess natural dissident but well, why what is it <laughs> right. i don't understand what why is it why is it the death why is it the the the, the you know the the kiss of death to your hollywood career if you if you bring it up and i just I got a phone call from this group. Okay, hey, we'd like to do these stories about dissidents who resisted the communist regimes and collectivist regimes, and that, you know, really just any authoritarian regime. And uh, would you make those stories? And I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds really interesting. I mean, that's that's. I started being a dissident, a supporter of dissidents. But the fact that you say things and they're on you. That because you they, they, there's a hint of non-compliance because these authoritarians know that ideas are like a fungus that if they get into the idea of their collective group it can might awaken an, an individual that might think for itself and they have to yeah. be right on top of it the second there's any sort of um, anyone anyone shows any sign of non-compliance I mean I feel like we're just a bunch of non-compliance you know officers in a small rebellion of of dissidents and mm -hmm. you know we we are you know we are to be unpersoned and all of this you can see it all of this in you know the, the former Soviet Union all the socialist uh, um, um, authoritarian states and the other authoritarian states of different ideologies I mean I'm just a freelance anti-authoritarian um, uh, artist and yet you know, we're all feeling the pinch and I, I, I have hope for the future and something that's when we can get into, but it's, it's why I wanted to, um, to Clifton's quick point about, you know, resisting a certain medical uh, pressure. I had friends in LA artists who, who, who decided to not go down that road and, uh, and, and word got out. And then they had this sort of peer pressure of, of people always saying to them, like, I just wanted to know that I did everything I could when it came time, which was meaning I complied with everything I was told. 
And I think about it, it's like, this happened. I first off got myself out of California, started a new life, moved my business, all these things, started a network of artists, friends, started a new business, started this project, reached out to people, raised, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, have been working nonstop since March, 2020 to try and tell this story because I wanted to know I did everything I could to resist what's going on. And I know you guys are doing the same. And that's, that's that's beautiful, man. Like that's that you're, you're my people. Clearly I, I'm, May 2020, shut down my business, start the show. A year later, I'm I'm yeah. moving from California, which I was born and yeah. raised and loved for the record, um, all the way to Florida. So it's like, and then obviously Clifton's life has been completely thrown into well, <laughs> disarray. You know, I to, to, to add on to what Hawk was, uh, some of the things that Hawk was saying, first Please. of all, the blind, the blind spot about communism is really funny because, you know, they'll, they'll, they will tell you up and down, they'll talk about McCarthyism, the McCarthyist era. And, you know, Ilya Kazan is a, a traitor because he named names. But, uh, you know, I, I call these people the neo-McCarthyists because uh, moving on to the second thing that uh, Hawk brought up, you know, this idea that there's this rigidly enforced um, conformity, uh, largely via social pressure, um, a big part of a, um, you know, a big part of the industry, you know, I call it R&R, it's uh, reputation and relationships, um, you know, and, and both of those things are very crucial in maintaining a, a career, but it leads to the third thing, which is the main point I wanted to say, which is that when, when you're in these environments, whether you're in, you know, the bubble in LA or in, you know, deep in New York, um, it's sort of a prerequisite to shut off your brain completely to succeed that's sort of what you have to do um and and uh it's and it's just ridiculous to me that we live in an era where people are being fired or they're being hound or and and harassed based on you know whose tweets they like it's Mm -hmm. the most ridiculous thing in the world um but yeah i just wanted to kind of dovetail off of all the things that, that that hawk was saying is that there is part of the issue is that there's just this this culture of conformity you know some might call it cowardice and um but it's also i mean especially if you're an actor you have very very little leverage uh, most of the time unless you're super famous so you just um there's not much you can do but go with the flow because once you're in the belly of the beast so to speak um you know to quote the great patrice o'neill the comedian you know you're making a million dollars a week so people are going to keep lining up and they're going to keep uh you know, gaming the system as much as they can. And um, and it's funny, I said to myself the other day, I was sort of despairing and sulking because I said, you know, how why, why, how come not more people stood up? How come nobody stood up for me? Yada, 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 you know, sort of naive thinking. But um, I said, wait a minute, why am I surprised that an industry full of narcissistic, self-serving, um, sort of low IQ, um, <laughs> dishonest people who would do anything to get famous um, why am I surprised that they that they they haven't quite lived up to my expectations uh, for humanity? <laughs> so so well, stupid. And just to riff on that for two seconds, I mean, one of the things I learned, I talk about like the, the dialects. I always tell people I tell all these speak all these different dialects of English because I can I can I can hang in a conservative scene, I can hang in a liberal sure. scene, I can hang in a libertarian scene. You know, I've, I've done it all, and they do they use the same words, but they use them very differently. Mm. And but what just the idea of cool being cool, you know, you want to when you're in the when you're when you're trying to be the it thing and make it in the it industry, you're like, oh, what's cool? And you realize that there's two types of cool real quickly. There's like those who are like strong minded people who have an opinion. They know how to back it up. They have a good balanced ego and they just kind of make it. They hold a space for everyone. that Everyone just feels good to be at your best version of yourself comes out to me. That's sort of like that's what I want cool to be. Then there's the world of cool when you're inside of these narcissistic realms where it's like, we're going to do things that are borderline illegal, completely self-centered, and probably going to make you compromise your inner your inner workings, your, your your ethics and your morals. Are you are you cool enough not to mention it and just deal with it and let us get away with it? Are you cool? You know, like it's just sort of, and you just realize right. that there's like, you, and you can do it be from one party to another party and you're just the same person. You And there's all the definitions are different and your actions really matter. And it's, it's navigating that and then trying to explain that to people outside of that. I mean, that's, you know, most people just want to go to a, see a TV show or a movie and be entertained and forget about their problems. But it's like all of that right. comes into play and the use of words and how it's defined and how we use them. That is, that is fascinating. And, and I, I completely agree with your assessment. I mean, I, I'm born and raised in San Diego, so I didn't interact with too many of the, the Hollywood elite. Um, but it, it is definitely a different dialectic uh there's there's something very unusual about that culture 
Like in when you encounter it, like I'm able to chameleon my way in. I like I I recognize like oh, you went to USC film school or whatever. Like I know I already know what I'm dealing with. So like I can I can have a conversation with these people and and vibe, you know. But at the end of the day, I know like there's no real critical thought happening here. You know, like they, they're kind of reading from a script throughout, like yeah. not just when they're on stage, yeah. but also every conversation they have with everyone in their life. It's basically being fed like, like they're a printer. It's just being the papers yeah. being fed in the back of their head and it's coming out their mouth. It's uh, it's just the weirdest thing. They're like, they're almost not human. And I know that sounds, I don't want to dehumanize them, but like just the, there is a, there's like a lack of energy in their eyes. I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I'm, I'm being a little bit too over the top with this, but I'm telling you, I have met some of these people and it's really, really strange. Um, well, and then, you know, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry to cut in Clint. It's, it, you know, but it's, it's really amazing. You know, I've been in so many rehearsal studios and, you know, backstage and on set and, and, and just people will say the most extraordinary things and you know that they only say them because there's been nobody in their lives to tell them that what they're saying is fucking ridiculous right <laughs> you know i was i was um you know i remember i was doing a show where this is right after trump had been elected and um if you want to talk about just insanity to to see <laughs> I, do. I, tweeted, I tweeted out the other day that uh, you know the, the the mass psychosis really much pretty much started with trump and it just hadn't stopped and um you know to see a bunch of adults completely melting down over the election of, of one person was just extraordinary. But I um, was talking about, um, uh, 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 oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. It was about- um, um, They've ne they never been exposed to someone, so no one's called their BS, the BS Yeah, so we're doing this show and like, this, it's an adaptation. Let me give you an idea of how silly it was, you know, just, just, just a scenario in general. Um, we were doing an adaptation of uh, the, the film Clue. We were doing the world premiere. It was Clue on stage. Freaking Sally Struthers is in this thing, who right. is hilarious, by the way. Yeah. But um, so we're not we're not doing, you know, Chekhov or Shakespeare. We're, we're not changing the world with what we're doing. But every 10 <laughs> to 15 minutes, we have both the director and or the lead actor to step in and be like, do you see what Trump just said? They're checking their phones obsessively and, really? and stopping rehearsal, you know. Because the New York Times misrepresented something that, that Trump said again. Okay. And, um, but there's one point where we're on a break and this director, you know, he's, he's super lefty guy. He's one of these people who like complains every time that there's like a Hollywood star in a Broadway play as if, you know, producers don't understand or aren't supposed to understand that put a, putting a Hollywood star in your play will make people come and see your goddamn play, which they aren't doing now, by the way. That's why the shows are closing. I wonder oh, why that is. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, they, they just, uh, I don't know, I, I can go rant on forever and ever about this kind of stuff. But, um, uh, Hawk, put me on back on track again because I lost my train of thought again. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, just, just in terms of like people not really having, no one's ever called their bullshit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry. So, yeah. So, you know, we're sitting there and, <laughs> and this guy just goes, you know, a big reason why, uh, why, conservative women vote Republican is that they're afraid of their husbands and his and his wife is just sitting there and she's like mm-hmm yep and then like a year later I'm doing a guest star spot on some you know show that's now canceled and I'm talking to you know the, a bunch of the actors are from New York so I'm talking to them and um, this woman you know very well established and you know I, I respect her a lot but she said the same thing so she's like you know so earnest as well you know they a lot of women vote Republican because they're afraid of their husband. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is some of the most like sexist things, like like you know, notions I've ever heard in my life. And it 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 just says to me that they've actually never gone out of their way. Like it can't be like different views on taxes or religion, you know, or foreign policy or immigration policy. It can't be maybe they're business owners or something, and you know, they just have a different view of economics and how things are supposed to work. You know, it can't be that they have different views on education or law enforcement. It's right. the, it's, it, they're afraid of their husbands. And it just goes back to this thing that I was saying before, that you can tell these people have just never actually sat down and had someone call them on their ridiculous bullshit. And that's, that is the industry because, you know, they know as soon as they speak up. I mean, there's a group. That's the last thing that I'll say. Um, there's a group. Um, I can't even tell you the name of this group, but it's like this invite only kind of. 
I guess, more conservative right wing sort of clique of um, mainly actors, but entertainment professionals um, started by some big name people. And it's like Fight Club. You're not supposed to talk about Fight Club. You can't talk about this particular uh, group of people. And, um, you know, because they know that if even if they're affiliated with this group of actors or group of people, then that could jeopardize their their employment. You know what I mean? Like, that's how ridiculous it is. You can't even you are not allowed to have any sort of independent thought whatsoever, um, because if you if you start asking other questions, um, you know, if you don't put the black square on your uh, your social media um, profile, then you could be canceled. If you if you like a tweet from Candace Owens, then that might be the end of your career. And that's how ridiculous it is right now. Well, what, what I think is interesting about that is like, why? why the compliance test like why is it because like especially if you're an actor right like you're going to be reading a script almost always unless you're you know ad-libbing or something um so like why is it that they need these people to be so in lockstep and i guess it just it stretches to the the social media world that we now live in the fact that you're going to give interviews when you're talking about your your new show that's coming out or something like that uh, if if you guys have any insight i would love to hear it like why why do they they want to apply this to people who are ultimately at the highest level of exposure are going to be reading from a script. So who gives a shit what their ideas are beyond that? I don't know. Once again, this episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by Rag Proper. They have the best flasks in the game. Not an exaggeration. Look at these things. Double box, baby. Double box beauty. And for a limited time. To Liberty Lockdown... And all you alcoholics out there, because God knows I need a drink right about now because the world's falling apart, but you don't want your flask to fall apart. That's right. Rag Proper is the best in the business. CR10 will get you 10% off. That is CR, like Clinton Russell, 10, as in 10% off. Go get it. R-A-G-P-R-O-P-E-R.com. Enjoy a drink on the house. First one's on me. Ragproper.com. Enjoy. Well, I think that's one thing that's important to remember is that the actors really don't have the power in Hollywood. I mean, there's sort of the perception, like, you know, someone becomes a Hollywood star and then, then they become this sort of thing. But they're the commodity in which they're the commodity that that, that, that town deals in and they will use them up and spit them out just as just as needed. Sure. Um, and and so there's this sort of, uh, you know, and there's really a caste system in, in this world where there's a, there's sort of a, a, a Brahmin equivalent and then on down and you know your cast you have to like if you're a crew person there's a I mean there's literally called like above the line below the line like where you're accounted for all these things oh, wow. and so so the, the the control of the message is is pretty paramount and and I think it's the the idea of where you know it's not ideas are treated I mean it's like the you know the next IP everyone's gotten very savvy to this in the last couple of years because of because of social media and, and whatnot we're like oh ip and having your idea and all this kind of stuff but when i got to hollywood i had no idea that ideas were the comp you know having a good idea that could be the next great thing that you know, makes a bajillion dollars and is, creates the next media empire i just i came from a family where ideas was every day you just have ideas and you just you express them out you have fun <laughs> with them you talk about them and you go there and everyone's like never share your ideas like you know, right. get you know get, get paperwork. Don't say it to anybody. Like there's a small little group. You only want to share it with this little group, and then you will go out and like control it, and then you hire people to express it in such a way that you can make a whole lot of money with it, and then you move forward. And that sort of model isn't too far off from the sort of collectivist sort of the you know where the state is the all encompassing. You know, all ideas come from the state. All the deals ideas come from on high from this political leadership technically it's supposed to come from everybody but really they want everyone else just to do what they're told be a worker in the system and if they have an idea of, of that that could be a, a best what the the your, your betters are thinking of that's a threat and so you have everything is designed to keep you quiet and, you know, I talk, I mean, my joke's always been, I check my brain as soon as I cross the California border, but that was my, you know, coy way of saying, it's like, yeah, I, I know that I have to keep my mouth shut in certain instances if I want to work within that system. Yeah. And then when I started working on looking at, you know, you know, state authoritarianism, I'm like, wow, this is, this really rings similar to, in terms of the way it's set up and the way, um, I always like to point out, like, you, you just like a very extreme example, you look at North Korea and you look at their propaganda for, you know, where it looks ridiculous to us, but it's for the internal moment of when an individual, you know, they, they know that an individual seeing something that doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, like what Clifton's saying, like they see something absurd, 
no one's ever challenged it. They've never challenged it. But if they actually think, you know what, that that doesn't make any sense. They tell me this and I see this and I choose to say that out loud, to express it. That is such a danger to the communist state, to the collective authoritarian states, that all the propaganda is like, hey, kids, don't never forget. If your parents question the government, let us know, because the dear leader is God. The state is God. And the source of all ideas is God, you know, in a sec in their weird secular sense, whatever that is. And I find that to be a parallel within the film industry. It really has these aspects to it that are weird. And, you know, and then I know that, I mean, I have, I have close friends and we have differences of opinions. I love them. They love me. We, we you know, we, we're, we're weathering this. They know I have a difference of opinion, but they tell me they get phone calls from acquaintances who say, why do you associate with that hawk fellow? <laughs> Don't you think Shit. we should fire him? And now, and that's like, you know, 10 years before cancel culture was a known term. Like I would, right. I, I would, I, they'd, they'd let me know that people were trying to cancel me. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm just bringing attention to the absurdity because I think absurdity is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I do think humor is one of our biggest weapons here because we have actual wry sense of humor because it actually is absurd. And if right. you just point it out, they can't handle, you know, they can't handle that and they come after you. But it's like, it's it's an interesting sort of parallel and i and i see sort of like the consultants kind of coming in and i think the last few years have been this cross-pollination of all these sort of narcissistic bureaucratic hacks who have uh, who are using all their sort of collectivist control to try and to try and marginalize free-thinking individuals and that's mm -hmm. why we're all in the middle of pushing back well i think i think uh, an interesting note on what you were saying is I think that the reason that the the tr you know, truth is or humor rather is is the tool that we have to fight back is because you can really only have the highest level of humor with truth somewhere in there and and they don't they don't really have it like they can't they can't utilize it so like I think this is why you know the nightly shows yeah like they just they're just horrifically bad yeah. because they they can't they they're the we're so detached from the truth in the the narrative that they have to propagate that they literally can't be funny anymore and it's it's kind of awesome you know from from my perspective because i'm like i don't want these people to be as good as john stewart once was you know because like if if we were still in that world that would mean that like they're still kind of winning because they they run the cathedral they run the the media uh apparatus um but they can't they can't be funny anymore because just they're so detached from reality uh, I, I i did want to get clifton's uh you know insights into what you were talking about though hawk is that are are we overstating it at all to to say that there is some sort of it to me it seems kind of like a cultural marxist uh thing i don't know i don't know how else to describe it well you know it is pretty funny um it, it's and I'm glad that people are talking about it now more openly in terms of there is sort of a new theology that's being imposed on um, on the populace in the form of the sort of, you know, postmodern, uh, you know, neo-Marxist sort of ideology. And um, I think part of it is a sort of is a self-selection process as well. I mean, a lot of more, you know, conservative-leaning people, for instance, um, I think they just they tend to be more pragmatic. Um, I don't mean it to be an insult, but not as, not quite the dreamy, the, the dreamer sort of romantic qualities that people on the on the left tend to have, um, you know. And so, you know, more. You know, there, there's more of a sense of, well, you need to get a job and have, you know, more structure and, um, you know, settle down for a family, which things are all which are all very difficult to do when you're in the arts. And so I think a lot of um, a lot more salt of the earth, sort of practically minded people stay out of the arts just for that reason alone. Cause it's so unstable. So and, it's um, self-selecting, essentially. In a way, yes. And, and the people within it are a, a bunch of weirdos, I would know. Um, so, so you're already dealing with that sort of, um, you know, self-selection bias, but, uh, then the other element of that is, as I was saying before, is this, uh, this element of, you know, you have to believe a certain way and, um, and you're dealing with people who each and every day they're because in their echo chamber, anyone who thinks differently from them is categorized as evil. And um, they never venture outside of them. You, you mentioned these late night shows. And um, well, that's who they look up to. They look up to people like Steve. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. They look that's up crazy. to the Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert as sort of these um, 
these guideposts for their morality. You know, they look up to the New York Times, which, you know, I did a, an interview with a man named Ashley Rinsberg, who wrote a book called The Gray Lady, the Gray Lady Winked. And it's about a history of the New York Times and their malfeasant reporting uh, up mm -hmm. to and including Holocaust denial. Yep. Um, so, you know, but even given that reputation and that, and that um, you know, somehow the New York Times enjoys uh, a reputation among them, uh, you know, but they revere the New York Times, they revere CNN. There's no, there's no part of them. I mean, I had someone say to me that there's no liberal bias in the media. And, you know, just, just flat out saying that, but yet they recognize that Fox News or the, or, or the Christian broadcast networks, uh, you know, are outliers, you know what I mean? So if they're so divergent from what you think, and everything else that you're taking in, all the other media you're taking in uh, agrees with your worldview. You know, it, I mean, th th that's what they call the default liberal. They just they have no conception mm -hmm. that there is any other way to view um, uh, to view the life and the world. And as a result of the self-selection and of the sort of um, and the sort of good and evil, you know, duality that, that, that they live by, the sort of cartoonishly simple worldview, you know, and um you know, everything that they consume just reaffirms their view of the world, you know, and it's mm. funny because the irony is that now they, they increasingly say that they want to, you know, they want to reflect the world as it is today. That That's their like sort of initiative for putting quote unquote diversity into everything, which we all know as people who, you know, look this, uh, you know, look uh, differently, but think the same. Right. And, um, you know, but it's, it's, they, they just, they, they push for these things and, um, they say they want to reflect the world of today, and yet, but they're, as you were saying, Clint, they're further and further detached from reality. So they mm -hmm. can't reflect the world as it is today. And I think what we're seeing now, um, you know, all, all kinds of shows are failing. Ratings are slipping. The box office isn't strong unless you're like Tom Cruise. Um, you know, every, every sort of property, whether it be Marvel or Lord of the Rings or, you know, Willow most recently, um, you know, they, they, they just they destroy. Uh, they, I call them sociocultural locusts. They just they just destroy everything <laughs> oh, that they touch. Oh, Pat um, pending. You know, that was great. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but I mean, whether you're talking about comic books or video games, I mean, everything these people touch just just turns to garbage. It turns to trash. Mm -hmm. And now we're at the point where even Broadway shows now um, are. There was some headline on one of the trades, uh, online trades, about you know a, a whopping sixteen shows are closing, and I'm like, well, a You've alienated, you know, a, a vast proportion of your foreign and domestic audience. And B, you're putting out stuff that nobody wants to watch because it's so freaking woke that nobody wants to see it. Right. And, you know, I, I ask myself, do these people who they they paint themselves as champions of, you know, the poor and the underprivileged and yada, yada, yada. Have any of these theaters or any of these production companies, I mean, have they, you know, why not take surveys? Of uh, you know, if you're in New York and you know you're, you're struggling with ticket sales, which you probably are, um, why not? You know, what kind of shows do you know? Does your, um, you know, does your nanny want to watch? What kind of shows do the people who are picking up the garbage on the street? What kind of shows do they want to see? What kind of shows do your garbage man want to see? What kind of shows does your bus driver want to watch? You know, the people that you always ignore. Maybe if you put on shows that, that speak to them instead of just feminism and trans rights, you might have more people to come to see your fucking shows, but you don't, uh, you know, but they're still going to, you know, to mixed martial arts. They're still going to the NBA. They're still going, you know, they're still spending their money on live streamers. They're not yep. spending it at the theaters or, or in your movies. So, you know, figure it out, but they, they can't do it because they're so sort of, again, you have to be of this mindset just, just to succeed and, and move forward in your career. It, it, it's a, it's a, I guess it is sort of a totalitarian regime that that brooks no dissent and no it it it, uh, it blocks itself off from any kind of feedback, useful feedback. Well, and I think it's part of it because they know how powerful the medium of cinema and television is because it's the power of story. I mean, what who, what is our personality? What is our culture? But a, just a, a conglomeration of a bunch of stories that hear over and over and over and over. I mean, I mean, the fact that Star Wars is now a religion for a lot of people is because they watch the films over and over and over again. And, you know, this whole world building. And as Clifton's saying, that they know that the, the sort of the mainstream, the folks in the mainstream know it's so vital that they'd rather put out flop after flop after flop than let anything in that allows people to have a, a, a world, to build a world that reflects the world we actually lived in.
Mm. And, and that was kind of the concept with the Follow the Science docuseries that, we've, that I've been working on for the last two years, was that we knew that it was important to bring something to that level, a, a rational conversation, a retrospective of what went right and what went wrong in these last two years. Because, you know, we need to understand what happened to our community. We need to understand what happened to the good old fashioned human curiosity and, and, and also rebuild dialogue. So I kind of considered like this project a world rebuilding. Um, I mean, I'm kind of in a time warp. I still live in 2020. I, I did a bunch of interviews and I've just been watching all these top minds. I mean, you know, Cl Clifton's our, he's our, our host and our hero who goes through this process of, of curiosity under trying to understand what happens. But, you know, I, I sat down with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, for instance, and, and, you know, spoke with him for three hours and I've been working and reworking and reworking his material for the last year to try and make a light, epi. <laughs> scientific presentation while intercut with other entertaining aspects where we have animation we have we have these oh, very cool computer graphics all these things that are just you know we, we we really set about an ambitious process but it's because we knew that we have to have a platform a world that people can step into suspend their disbelief step into it go on this journey with clifton and and be curious about what happened and 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 also make it entertaining i mean the thing is like we're not just making a documentary that's like oh here's a bunch of talking heads we wanted something that was entertaining so that you know your eight to 13 year olds want to watch it over and over and over again oh, and again and and they can think about it and you know and and, and we're very and i talk about dialects and, and and verbiage and we talk about you know the, the nature of language is under attack it's because we, we, we like scientific terms and culture terms we, we we say them we define them we use them properly and then we have um, you know, our, one of our co-hosts is Nick Hudson of Panda, uh, Pandata. It's a South um, Southern Hemisphere group, South African group of dissident scientists, and he and he he's sort of a mentor to Clifton on the science side. And, and it's like Clifton and he get into a discussion about science. So you hear you hear two heavyweights talking about science in a rational perspective, using the language appropriately. So then you know you, you can have a forty-five-year-old podcaster or a thirteen-year-old you know kid who have both watched the show, and they can have an informed scientific discussion and cultural discussion about what happened during the lockdowns. And we want this thing to be evergreen and rewatchable and this whole thing we want that i mean that's and that's we're and all of that is us trying to use what hollywood knows about the power of this stuff we we all think that oh intellectually it's just entertainment no this is your emotional self doesn't know it's not real when you have these emotions when you watch a film it becomes like a memory it's a reason something like star wars becomes a religion and so it's you know that's why you know we're dissident media folks where we're trying to use it to actually reflect the world we're in and have a discussion about what we went through because we don't want to repeat history and we'd like to see some sort of rebuild of community. So that, that's the whole idea of follow the science, um, on, you know, follow the science, lockdowns go viral, which is the pilot episode. So, and, and so it's really, you know, that focuses on basically January, 2020 through October, 2020. And, and then from there, we'll move forward as to looking at masks, looking at origins of the virus, looking at the vaccines, all of these things that, you know, no one can even talk about it really we do in our little worlds but getting right. out to that mainstream is yeah. difficult so that's that's the idea of the series and can i just jump in really quickly Please. one thing that i think is sort of cool um you know uh, i mean hawk says that i you know they call me the sort of i guess the host in a way but um but in a way i'm also and one of the things that i enjoyed is that i'm also sort of the everyman and that i start out with one conception or or, or one notion and over time, you know, and uh, this is another aspect of the film, which I think is is uh, is effective in terms of its uh, its accessibility, is that it it actually steps through. I mean, it, it's called follow the science, and that's what the, what we do throughout the uh, the project is we follow the scientific method um, to a T to come to the conclusion. So in a way, the the audience and the spectator gets to gets kind of you know go along with us in that process of discovery and of inquiry and of investigation, and. Um, so in terms of giving it more of an evergreen quality, you know, you can you can also come away with this and say, oh, okay, this is how maybe we should have gone about things. And, um, you know, you might come away with this idea of maybe just even a better understanding of the scientific method and uh, the, you know, and the idea that if you follow these kinds of methods, then, um, you know, it's, it's okay to change your mind. And then I guess the, maybe the a byproduct of that is that maybe people might become more savvy about uh, you know who they trust, what information that they trust, and how they evaluate um, the information that they're given. God willing, <laughs> yeah. Well, or, I, or maybe evaluate it at all. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. That, that'd yeah. be a good starting point. All I'm looking for is that one, that first one 
click of the critical mind awakening. I mean, I mean yeah. that's that's my modest goal. Just just that click. Yeah. Oh, like that. <laughs> we well, get that like, in, in our viewers. We've come a long way. <laughs> it's like taking a bump of a crushed up red pill. <laughs> you know, oh, sure, just sure. like I'm not trying to get you super high. I just want to yeah. turn that brain yeah. on a little bit. Well, and, uh, and the idea that there is a, the science. You know, there's a, there's an arbiter of truth. Science. You know, there, there, it's it's a journey pursuing truth that's always self-correcting itself always real when, when you discover something's wrong that's actually technically as big of a celebration as when you find a big breakthrough of something that seems to be you know the new insight it's science is this ongoing self-correcting process and right and and, 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 and just sort of re-establishing that's that's the relationship to it it's just curiosity it's asking questions over and over again and it's like it, those of us who ask questions of the of the uh you know the the arbiters of truth and science in the in the health policy world somehow were outside of the you know you're, you're anti-scientific all this anti-everything has just been fascinating right. to watch you know, well there there was an unperson us for for the record there are no arbiters of science other than the truth so fauci you can kiss my ass but uh let me let me ask you guys about this because this is just something i've been thinking about as you've been talking and this is your area of expertise and not mine so this is maybe this is a theory that people have already bounced around and I'm just armchair quarterbacking and this is going to be very uh, stupid to you. But this is what I do. I just ask questions. So uh, there's there are uh, just a handful of storyline like tropes that really land with people. And the hero's journey is is one that is extraordinarily powerful and profound to people. And it always has been. And, and the Bible is kind of like the first one. And And if you don't become religious at some point in your life, you seem you still gravitate towards that that story though, and I think this is what you keep talking about with the religiosity that comes with Star Wars, where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's if you th it's funny because like atheists always go like oh, the Bible's fiction, and it's like, but then you become religious about this other fictional shit that we all know is fiction. It's just it's fascinating that like people constantly gravitate towards this stuff, and then if you don't do that when it comes to your your media and the movies you watch, well, then you do it with your politics, and then you do it with your your fucking heads of the CDC or the HHS, you start to worship Fauci as if he's a god. It's like these people just seem to be built to be religious, even though they claim to be atheistic. And I don't know how you can even co like convey that to them, that they're behaving in a religious fashion. And, and once they're in that mode, but they don't even know that they're being religious, how do you break through that? It seems like you're actually trying to reverse engineer a cult. I don't know. Any thoughts? Well, well, let me, let me, I'll, one of the things, one of the ways I describe that, I mean, you're right. The hero's journey is the one of the most powerful things. I mean, all, I mean, I have a little thing tonally. I mean, we, we talk about there's knowledge and then there's tone. And I mean, we, you can sum up every feature film that comes out of Hollywood. Let's see if I can do it off the top of my head where it's, you know, the ordinary world, the call to adventure, the resistance to the call, <laughs> tests, allies, you know, enemies, you know, the, the belly of you know, the, the, the great, uh, what is it? The, uh, the objective, the, the belly of the beast, right? The road home. You know, it's like the reward, the road home. I, sorry, I hadn't practiced it ahead of time, but there's like this tonal <laughs> thing where it's like there's about 13 pieces of the of the of the hero's journey, and it's every film you've ever seen. And what we talk about in film is like, oh, how well did they execute it? How formulaic does it feel? Feel how much did they distract you from the the pizzazz from the actual? It's the same story over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. there's like 17 stories that we all get told over and over and over again. But to your, to, so there's that kind of like that tonal understanding, but we are this sort of combination of, we're, we're a knowledge creature and we're an emotional creature. And there's, for some reason, the way we actually bring in information, I mean, sort of the, the, the hard hitting sort of knowledge folks, like all we have to do is just make a, make a film, we say all the facts and people will just know it and then everything's fine. And then yeah. that, that sort of. This is where the libertarians fail. That's the biggest problem with the libertarians for, for the last 10 years. And they've been slowly realizing that story is key. But there's something about knowledge and emotion. When those combine, when you have an experience, you cross a threshold, right? And you, you gain that knowledge and emotion combines and you have a moment of wisdom. And for some reason, that, that threshold you pass through is the moment of programming of the human psyche. You know, mm -hmm. so when you go on these journeys with these heroes, it's, it's a de facto experience and you have this moment of threshold, you're experiencing it with them and you experience that emotion and that programs the mind. 
Hmm. Why it's like that, I don't know. But it's very clear that that is, that is how it works. And that's yeah. how I function with my career and everything I do and everything I make and how I speak. And, and you have to have this sense of threshold that you cross because it's like a sense of achievement. And, and, and there's this moment of open where you, 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 you feel, aha, I am one with the world because I've had this, this threshold. And you can insert one piece of knowledge in that moment. And then you will forever associate that emotion and that piece of knowledge somewhere in your psyche and you can pull it back up. You know, if you have that emotion, that knowledge comes back up. If you have that knowledge, that, that emotion comes back up. Hmm. And, and it's, it's one of these things that, you know, because we got so into the objective world of science, we sort of like poo-pooed emotion, but then I feel emotion has been exploited. So I, I'm a firm believer that a, a sound uh, understanding of both the objective and your internal subjective, your inner artist is as important as your inner, um, you know, Einstein. And, and those working together is how we're going to navigate the future. You know, we have to understand the subjective and the irrational and the emotional as, as well as the objective, but because that's how we're programmed. That's the human, that's the player piano of the human psyche. My, my right. opinion. No, I think, oh God, I, that was great because I've been trying to, can, I've been trying to convey that in a way that like can actually be palatable to my audience without sounding insulting, but it's like the libertarians get your heads out of your asses. This isn't, it, it, yes, we have facts and truth on our side and no, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter. These people aren't hearing you. If they can't hear you, it doesn't matter. You yeah. have to convey it in a way that they can actually not just hear it, but process it. And that's the biggest challenge. When you even talk about when you that. talk to people and they're just regurgitating, you can see it in their eyes, right? They're, they're not, they don't have a, there's not a deep sense of, of consideration or, or, no. or contemplation. It's knee-jerk re rejection. They're just, oh, something said, it counters, I'm, I'm experiencing this emotion and it's like, you're making me feel this way and they're like, and this is the truth and this is what I've been said and this is point number four in the Red Book of Mount, I have to say it right now. <laughs> and you're just seeing a variation of on that, you know, yeah. and, and not to pick on communism, the ideology. I mean, authoritarianism knows no ideology. I mean, I, I, it's, I believe that we're dealing with some collectivist, stylings of late but it's there's an overall authoritarian class that we're that that are trying to reserve control and and we're pushing back against that well, uh, yeah i think there's also the element of uh, no, ma no matter who you're talking about i mean as the perhaps the resident atheist on the panel today um you, you're you're you know and i i laugh because you know the my christian friends have been far more even keeled over the last couple of years than all these crazy neurotic secularists who think they're so much smarter than everyone else. But, um, you know, what we're talking about is um, some sort of belief in something bigger than yourselves. People are looking for some sort of dedication mm -hmm. to some kind of life mission. And so I think one of the reasons that the hero's journey um, calls out to us so much is that it's this, you know, it's this compelling sort of romantic vision of, uh, meeting some sort of obstacle or overcoming a series of them and struggling and becoming um, and and becoming victorious in the end. And so it's a reflection of the sort of, you know, maybe the best versions of ourselves. And I think that we live in a society now where this idea of what a hero even is. I mean, I did a, mm -hmm. I did a podcast with a guy. I mean, it's come up, it's come up, uh, come up a couple, a couple of times, excuse me. And um, this idea that we now are in a society where um, the idea of what a hero is and what a villain is or what good and evil are, um, the, the lines are becoming blurred. And, um, and kind of going back into what you two were talking about, um, you know, I've, I've been very critical of more right-leaning spaces or, or even of uh, much of the culture war sort of um you know, a bubble in general is because, uh, you know, we talk about the culture, this and culture that, but we never talk about the art that this culture produces. Bingo. And usually you're met with this idea of, okay, who cares about art? Uh, you know, serve me my coffee, asshole. Um, it, art doesn't matter. And the fact of the matter is that, especially if you're looking at a society which is becoming more and more secular, and those old stories like the Bible, which, you know, I they, you know, because I've been struggling with the same kind of questions, you know, it's like, why has a story or why has a book like the Bible just caught on? Why have all these organized religions, all these meta narratives have caught on and lived on for thousands of years? Why is that? And, um, you know, th there is, there must be something there. Um, Indeed. And, but, you know, there's, but once you sort of eradicate these ideas of, um, even just the classic ideas of what good and evil is, that, that's, that, that's what opens the doorway. You know, so once you sort of, 
I guess I've been uh, just annoyed because people look at artists and entertainers and like, yeah, you know, just because we have the top one to 2% of the industry, which has the biggest lens on them. Um, and these people happen to be just kind of vapid and stupid. It doesn't mean that uh, we should just sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, you know, are we the kind of culture that can produce the sort of brilliant, um, immortal works that the Renaissance gave us? Can we do what the ancient Greeks did? You know, even like African wood carvings and these kinds of things, which have a sort of functionality and um, even uh, mystical function about them. You know, like, are we the kind of culture that's creating these kinds of things? And for the longest time, you've seen all these people who said, you know, art doesn't matter. And yet then they're like, well, what is all this that my kids are watching nowadays? What are these books my children are reading? And what are they? What are all these shows? Why are they so bad? Why have the lips all taken everything over? What's because you ignored it for so long? You thought it was so unimportant. And, yeah. you know, I, I just believe that, you know, a well-rounded life, especially if we're talking about American culture in general, um, it needs to be more robust and include these things, which they can't, you know, we think of ourselves as this very technologically advanced and sort of knowledge-based society, which I think, you know, is very much up for debate now, um, given the circumstances. But <laughs> it's clear that whatever that is, um, you know, this idea of ourselves as deeply rational, smart people, it's just not enough. And so all of these science, scientists and, you know, writers and, and academicians and, and, and all this other stuff, these pundits and, uh, you know, tastemakers or whatever, they're missing this big sort of picture, which is the power of art and of the arts to circumvent the uh, the intellect and get straight to your emotions and kind of even even straight down to your soul if you want to go that that far. And um, that is a power, harnessing that power to move people. Um, I mean, you can see it now. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's priceless. And you can be the smartest person in the world, have the highest IQ, have all the facts and all the rational, you know, logical arguments and be just a brilliant persuader in, in all these kinds of ways. But it's not going to matter if you can't, you know, organize all of those ideas um, and, and, and use them in service of a powerful narrative or story or work of art in order to communicate on an emotional level. And that's what people keep missing about this. And, and really part of it is the artist's fault because so many of them are so fucking ridiculous and stupid. And, um, and it's just a shame, you know, you go back to the old acting theory books and they, they talk about the, you know, you're supposed to be educated. You're supposed to know about different cultures, different, you know, different periods of history, because you're stepping into the shoes of all these different people from, mm. you know, who live from these different times. So it's, it behooves you to know a little bit about everything. You know, you can, you don't have to adhere so much to, to Marx. You, you can, you have an appreciation for it, but maybe also understand what Adam Smith was saying as well, you know, and, and you know what I mean? But, but having, having these kinds of, um, understanding why why an Adam Smith and a Karl Marx, why they've had such an impact, you know, like what is it about the human condition that people have glommed onto these kinds of thinkers and these ideas or what, what's the engine underneath? You know what I mean? Like these are the questions yeah. that artists never ask them or rarely ask themselves. And if they did, well, then they get canceled because then they start getting into all these dangerous ideas. So it goes back to this, it all goes back to this idea that's sort of cult-like and you have to be a, a sort of a moron, an unquestioning, unthinking, incurious person in order to succeed. And that's just, it goes against, in my opinion, what it means to even be an artist in the first place and just sort of, you know, being a conduit for all kinds of elements of life, you know, be they savory or unsavory. I mean, I can, again, I could rant about this stuff for hours and hours, but, you know, I think we're, we're, we're sort of missing the game and we need to pay more attention to, you know, our creative arts, our imaginative faculties, all this stuff, because, um, you know, that, that, that is where the, you know, like, like the creative genius of a nation, that's kind of where its soul lives in a way. And um, it's, it's going to be the deepest expression of who we are as a people and as a society. And if we ignore that, then we do so at our own peril. And, and Clifton, just to jump in there, too, because like this idea of genius, everyone's like, oh, it's about being really smart. It's like, well, what is, what is genius? I mean, I don't think I really had a grasp of ge what genius meant until, um, <clears throat> you know, fairly well into my adult life, because it was, you know, you just it, everyone's a little insecure about how they think and you know, are they smart enough? Do they have that, you know, the, the cultural or, or academic literacy for whatever their chosen profession is, let alone the ability to tap into their inner inner subjective and, and, and express what their, you know, their own visions. But, you know, the idea, I mean, you know, I think it was like the idea of uh, true intelligence is the idea to hit the mark that no one else can hit. Mm -hmm. Well, genius is the ability to hit the mark no one else can see. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, that took, took me years. I kind of, what the heck does that mean? You know, because yeah. 
it's an invisible thing. And, and, um, and that kind of Clifton for your point about, I mean, I was actually, I'm a raised atheist. I'm a third generation atheist. And, at, but about 10 years ago, I was like, yeah, but there's this, all this stuff coming from the spiritual subjective side that I feel like I'm dismissing out of hand just because I was raised to dismiss it out of hand. Like, right, I, need right. to, I need to flip the switch. And I actually chose like, I'm going to, I'm going to believe for a while until I have a reason not to. And I kind of went through a bunch of different groups. I, did, I mean, I live it in the arts. I mean, I and living in film, I would work very intensely for two, three, four months, get a bunch of cash, and I would just go do whatever I felt like for two, three, four months and think about the world. And and trying to find that connection point. Like, what is, you know, because the, the idea of where do these ideas come from? And like, is it a plane that we, we connect to? Is it somewhere deep within ourselves? Like, where is this moment of ideas come from? You know, and 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 then specifically, you know, in terms of the art, artist who's like they have an idea and they have to do something, they have to move their hands, they have to create something, and and yeah, I mean, it was always frustrating because you're right. I mean, in terms of the the right side of the political, they were they were sort of a dismissive like, well, at the end of the day, you got to make sure you have you know money and food so you can survive. Screw art. And yet all the ideas of like, well, how do you plow and how do you, how do you generate value? How do you appreciate something so it actually generates value and holds it in a way that all that came from someone subjectively thinking it through with some sort of genius at some point, And then it got codified into the objective. It's this very complex thing. And it's just sort of like, all I know is there's like, it just seems like there's a force that, you know, this sort of authoritarian force that just wants to snuff that out. Like, beep. And that's where I put all of my effort is to just protect that little space. Yeah. Well, and then we're all coming out of slightly different spaces. And, and so this idea of genius, like the, the unknowable, unseeable with thing within that for some reason, humans just have to, some of us, I believe everyone has a little bit of this, but that's my belief. But I, there's clearly a, some of us just have to. Yes. And, 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 and I think to Clifton's point, that's got to be appreciated, understood and brought into the culture at large for whatever the political persuasion to move forward and understand this world. We, we are, I, I hope we're at a golden age of new individuality and new prosperity, but. Well, this is, this is what drives me crazy about the, the right wingers is like, they'll be like, ah, screw your art. And then they pop on their, you know, their favorite country music. And then they go to the Clint Eastwood sure. you know, movie that just came out. It's like, y'all still consume art. You yeah. do, you yeah. do. And yeah. then your kids are sitting at home on YouTube and they're getting propagandized yeah. by your enemies. And you're, and you're wondering why you're losing. And why your kids now come out of college and they hate you. And it's like, this is very straightforward. Um, but I, I wanted to, uh, oh, God damn it. I had one point I wanted to make. Oh, this is why I have circled the wagons for Kanye West so hard. And it's, mm. uh, for the record, I disagree with him on his particular battle that he has chosen. But I am of the opinion that he is maybe the greatest artist of our time and he and he is clearly a thinking person that, that doesn't mean he gets everything right but he is actually thinking and like i want an artist who is thinking outside of the box who feels welcome in our world and when you see the the right wingers that are like oh he started to do that thing we can't we can't embrace him anymore and it's like this dude is courageous as hell and he is he has spoken to more people's souls than you people ever will ever and if you want to fucking alienate him, good luck. Good luck ever prevailing against these people because this is like such an incredible conduit to people to actually speak to people. And I just hope that people are like realize what an opportunity that is when you see, in my opinion, the greatest artists of our time all of a sudden starting to think for himself and saying, "Hey, I, I I'm starting to think about like." liberty and you know free speech and cancel culture and all these other things and people still um it's funny like they it seems as if they still haven't caught on to the game that like yes they're like they're always going to find one thing about a person who has the ability to wake millions if not billions of people up and they're going to cancel him as aggressively as possible as early on and they're going to find a way to trick you into canceling him too do you understand do you understand like how they're angling this Anyways, that's my own personal rant. We'll get out of here. Uh, thank you guys so much for this conversation. It was really, really, really good. And uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow, support, everything else. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, followthescienceseries.com. You can find it. We're, we're having sneak peeks and all kinds of things coming up. We're, we're raising funds for the finishing project. And the big premiere is in Orlando on April 19th uh, with Tom Woods. And Clifton will be there, and I'll be there. Um, I, I believe Clifton will be there. And uh uh, we're, we're working very hard to make that happen. And I'm at, um, I'm, I'm, Hawk, I'm at Hawk Jensen for my Twitter handle. Awesome. Clifton. 
Uh, yes, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and as always, everyone in between, this is Clifton Duncan. Uh, you can find the Clifton Duncan podcast uh, on YouTube and Spotify primarily. Having some issues with Apple, so it's kind of hard to, I don't know why I can't get an account, account on there right now. Um, but I'm also at uh, on Twitter, at Clifton A. Duncan. You can find me uh, on Instagram, at Clifton Duncan Online. And I have a Substack which I never update. Um, you know, and I kind of feel not bad about it because there's just too many damn emails at this point. But uh, there's a Substack called uh, Musings from the Apocalypse. Um, if you ever want to um, read my, you know, my thoughts every every six months. <laughs> I love it. I, that's exactly the time duration I'm on for my, for my Substack too. I think it's called Clint's Longer Form Tweets. If anyone wants to check that out. Uh, but uh, I. I always do this. I always end every show with any, uh, you know, creative type people that are that are in this fight with me. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, keep keep going. I know it's brutal, and uh, and I really appreciate, you know, that there are a handful of you out there that have sacrificed a lot to try and try and actually keep critical thought alive on Earth. And I I believe that. I believe that's what you guys are doing. This is a a calling. I'm not religious either, but I believe this is a calling that that verges on you know, religious uh, importance when it comes to like keeping the 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 embers of the enlightenment alive, where people are still allowed to to critically think, and uh, and you guys are playing a part in that. So I hope I hope you can take solace in that. <laughs> and mirror that back to you, Clint. I mean, you you've been watching your meteoric rise has been great, and well, thank you. I, I think we have a strong. There's a nice new minor league that's rapidly coming major league of leaders coming up and you 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 and clifton and everyone i work with are part of that everyone watching this is part of that so thank you for being a big big fixture in that you guys are the best if anybody wants to support my work libertylockdown.locals.com we are out welcome to liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go